welcome to Here We Are, the podcast where we celebrate the beauty of being a nerd by learning about nerdy things from other nerds. I'm your host, Joy Bork. Oh my goodness, today is going to be so fun. I met today's guest on a trip to Miami a few months back. We had the opportunity to chat a little bit in between other events, and I knew right away I just had to interview her. So, Podfam, meet Michaela, your new favorite nerd. And she's got a double header for us today. So, settle in and prepare to learn all about both sign language and the bees. So, without further ado, here's Michaela. Hello, my name is Michaela Ulmer. I'm 17 years old and I'm the founder and CEO of Me and the Bees, which is a national honey sweetened lemonade product. I am also the founder of the Healthy Cat Foundation, which is a real profit to save the bees. I'm the author of Be Fearless, Dream Like a Kid. And I'm a senior in high school, so applying to colleges right now. And I have so many things I can learn out about. I think I want to start with learning sign language, though. That is so exciting. Okay, when did you start? Why did you start? Tell me everything. So I started learning sign language as a pandemic activity because so many of my other activities were in person and I couldn't do them anymore. I went to a cafe. It was a deaf phone cafe. I walked in and I didn't know this. And so I just saw employees signing and I was like, oh my God, what do I do? Like, I'm nervous. How do I order these crepes with my mom? And so I started by typing my order on my phone and I showed it to her and then she had to ask me a question. And I'm like, I don't know how to answer. So she wrote it down on this boogie board that she had on the counter. What's a and boogie so board? It's like a, it's a kid's toy, but it's a board where you can write and then easily erase. That's awesome. So it's kind of like a sketchbook or like, like fake paper. And so she was like, yeah, you, you want strawberries? You want marshmallows on this? And so I wrote back on the boogie board what I wanted. And then she would sign to her coworkers to make the actual crepe. And I was, as I was waiting, I saw macaroon. I wanted macaroon. And so I searched up on my phone, how do you sign how much? And so I memorized the sign. I, I like waved to her and I said, hey, can I get macaroon? I just signed how much? And then she started rapidly signing back to me. Like, I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. And so she grabbed the bookie board. She's like, do you know ASL? And I'm like, could you not tell by my, by my uh, <laughs> little freak out that I didn't? And so I said, no, but I want to learn. And so she said, you should. And I did not get the macaroon. I did get the crepe. And I also decided once I got home to watch a video. And so I watched a video of like basic sides. It's like, Mm -hmm. whoa, this is really cool. I watched another one. I stayed up till 2 a.m. that night watching more like sign language videos just off the internet. And I was like, okay, this is something that like, you know how people binge like manifest or binge anime, which I do, yeah. not people, it's me. But I <laughs> I was like, you know what, I'm going to binge sign language videos because it was really cool and I loved learning it. And I'm such like a hands-on learner and visual learner. So I was like, I, this is such an amazing language to learn because you can use all of your body language and facial expressions mm-hmm. and it's really expressive. And so I decided to learn the language. That is fantastic. Thank so you. How long has that been? It has been probably a year. Um, Whoa. Yes. I'm proud because I I don't stick to things as much. And so sign language, other than Spanish, which I've been learning since I was in preschool, 
sign language is like my second language. And so I have been doing it for a year. I've enjoyed it. Now, one thing that shifted was a shift in just learning the language and Mm -hmm. like memorizing signs to actually learning like the amazing history and culture that deaf Americans have built for centuries. Um, And I didn't really realize the importance, you know, until an instructor named Bill Vicker said that you can't learn the language without learning the culture because Mm -hmm. there's a huge variety. Martha's Vineyard used to be primarily like everyone used to know sign language on Martha's Vineyard because there's such a prominent deaf population there. So everyone just knew sign language. That's That's amazing. Also, the schools for the deaf weren't invented, I think, until the early 1900s. And Mm. even then, they were segregated. So there was Mm -hmm. Black schools for the deaf and then white school for the deaf. And so Black people have developed their own sign language where it's like completely different. It's a little bit more similar to uh, like French sign language. So I thought that was pretty cool, too. And That's amazing. Yes. And then also there there was a movement called the Oralist Movement. And that was where people who can hear decided that people who are deaf should not be able to use sign language in schools. So they thought that if people who are deaf want to be part of mainstream society, they should have to listen. Like they should only learn by reading lips and trying to speak back. And so this was very hard for the deaf community. And I'm still learning about this right now. And they're, I guess, currently um, teaching it in schools, but there's a large period in time where it was not taught in schools and so wow. the i guess sign language was just passed down from parents who were deaf to their kids as well and so i'm, I'm reading a book called forbidden signs right now about that that is so fascinating it's very interesting look at I, you I mean, expanding your nerd <laughs> yes what are some of your favorite signs okay i kind of like study study is where you take your left hand you flatten your palm and put yeah. your palm face up. And then you take your other hand and you abracadabra it. I don't even know how to it. That's but perfect. you wiggle your fingers. Yeah, you wiggle your fingers. And that's the sign for studying. Or that's one the of sign the for, for studying? Study. That's yes. like, I'm going to magic this yes. piece of paper yes. that is my hand. And then like learn is you grab the information from the book and you put it in your head. Um, what? That's the sign for learn. I, just, what? I think those are cool. That's amazing. Have you learned how to do finger spelling and like read it really fast so actually i joined a discord i don't even know how because i don't even use discord but i joined a discord that was all about it was with hearing people who were hard of hearing and people who were deaf and people who were just learning sign language and i joined it where they could share resources you know correct information help people who were learning sign language in schools and then also practice together so they organized practice zooms multiple times a week where people could just hop in and it was like absolutely no sound in these zoom rooms that was like the only rule and you would just sign or type or fingerspell oh. so there were fingerspelling practice zooms i guess that mm-hmm. i learned but i could definitely be faster i could definitely be faster people fingerspell really quickly yeah they do yeah. oh my goodness oh my goodness okay wow what is keeping you studying this Because to everything, it feels like there's a hook. Like, what's the hook for you? Mm -hmm. I I think the hook for me is, first, there's a very big deaf population in Austin. And I guess Mm -hmm. I didn't really notice it until I started learning sign language. And then I started being able to communicate with people who are deaf in public. And it was really cool because it was just a population who I was 
formerly like I wasn't connected to, I couldn't reach or talk to or have discussions with, and now I can. So that's one of the reasons. Another reason is because I have actually met friends who are also deaf. So now I communicate with them even better. And so I feel like everybody hearing or not hearing, everyone should learn basic signs because it's like, it was incredible how much I started realizing ableism is very bad. It's very prominent in America. People don't see videos. Movie theaters don't have cup holders for people who are deaf to put their closed captioning Mm. like machines on so they can't like enjoy movies. Like there's just so many different barriers that keep people who are deaf from being able to enjoy things that I guess everyone should. And so I think if I can learn sign, I feel like I can share my nerd with anyone else. And so people who are working in customer service can learn simple signs and make communication easier. I have a limited company and I could learn signs for what I demo. And then also it's a truly beautiful language. And if you're listening and you like learning languages or you like learning new things, which I'm sure you do since you're listening to this podcast, I would encourage you to just look up a couple signs and try it out mm. because it's really fun and uh, a, a really great language and culture. I love that so much. And I love how excited you are about it. It gets me excited about it. And that's what I love. That's why I interview nerds. Ah, um, you mentioned ableism slightly. Could you, for the muggles among us who don't know what that is, could you give me a short description, definition of that? What I know about ableism is it's, I guess it's favorism or, mm-hmm. or I guess favorism for people who are able-bodied. And that's mm. all I'm going to say. I'm going to say I'm not part of the deaf community and you're not actually supposed to say disabled because it's saying that people are lacking something. So right. don't say disabled. Right. But I would say research that. And for me currently, what I'm learning is about the language and the culture. But I I do know that ableism is something that is prominent and that does affect negatively affect the deaf community. Yeah, I understood in my head like the the concept of it, but I didn't have words for it. But it's essentially how design of systems and how the world works, how it favors those who are more able than not. We'll go with that until I look it up and then (laughs) go into a research hole about it. Okay. Before we got started, you mentioned that you have many flavors of nerd and you wanted to do two. So we have a bonus nerd all in the same episode and I'm super pumped about it. What's your second one? Uh, My second one is going to have to be the bees. Okay. Tell me everything. What, Uh, how, what, context, everything. Okay. So when I was four and a half, I got swimmed by two bees in one week. One on my ear, one on my neck. It was very painful. I wanted nothing to have to do with the bees at that right. point. And I was just terrified. And so my parents being a, I mean, my whole family's a pretty outdoorsy family. They're like, we can't have our daughter be terrified to even step foot outside. Yeah. And just like see bugs, especially see anything that flies, especially yeah. see a bee. And so they said, okay, how about you do some research on this? And so I did some research. I read picture books, I watched animated videos, and eventually I started talking to local beekeepers and learned that bees are a lot more important than they seem. They pollinate one out of every three bites of the food we eat. They contribute $16 billion to the U.S. agricultural economy a year. On average, honeybees are dying at a rate of about 40% a year. Um, And this is due to things like pesticides and more drastic weather due to climate change we just had a snowstorm in texas last year and that killed off 
like 70% of hives, bees are having decreased resistance to like mites and other parasites. There's a couple of things that are killing off honeybees and killing off wild bees, but I learned that they're really important to our food supply. And if not our food supply, they're important to the food supply of other food chains yeah. and um, other species. And so that became a pretty big interest of mine. I ended up teaching workshops. I started a lemonade stand to help save the bees. It was honey sweet lemonade. And uh, I would sell lemonade, donate a portion to local beekeepers. This is when I was four and a half. And I just kept That's doing amazing. it. That's amazing. started growing. And it's, I guess, it's still a passion that I have today. Wow. Okay. Can we talk real quick about your parents and how they said at the young age of getting stung, like, do some research? I, I had so much of my success to credit for my parents. Not only were they the people who were like, okay, if you're afraid of something, like, they, they write me these, these postcards a lot, me yeah. and my brother. So this one says, victory over worry. And this was when I was very like anxious about college applications, pretty much, because yeah. it was a ridiculously long process. So yeah. they send some from the Bible. They send some from like the teachings of Lao Tzu. They send mm-hmm. some from like their own postcards or like their own thoughts or something that they realize. And then some from books that they're reading. But they're always trying to make every situation a teaching one for my brother and I. And in that instance, it was instead of being afraid of something for the rest of your life, how would you learn about it? And they didn't really know about the bees, but they learned along with me and they learned that they're pretty interesting and pretty cool. And they only sting out of self-defense because once bees sting you, they pretty much die. So they're really only going to sting you if they see you as a threat. And all these things I would never have learned and I just would have grown up being afraid of the bees. And instead I created something beautiful out of something that originally terrified me. And that was because of my parents. And then also, I have my parents to credit for actually believing in me. So when I said I wanted to start a stand, they said, okay, you need money. You can't just like swipe a card and get everything you need. (laughs) Like you you need money. Where's it going to come from? You got to make a budget. Here are the steps to making a budget. Wow. Um, And so I'm so privileged. In fact, I had my mom to teach me about marketing. My dad to teach me about finance and even my brother to teach me like a thing or two about standing in front of a hive and shouting at the top of your lungs, eliminating <laughs> one. Like he was the number one sales rep. Um, so very lucky, very what a gift. grateful to each of them for, I guess, being a part of my story. That is so cool. You grew up in a family of brilliant nerds who aren't scared to discover. They're oh. very curious. I love that. Okay, so in your curiosity, I mean, it it led you to start a company, but along the way, I'm assuming there were some major aha moments. What were some of your favorite things that you learned about bees that are still rocking your mind? One thing that still blows my mind is how there are so many species of bees, like 20,000 of them across the world. Honeybees are just one. Like honeybees are one species and there's 19,999 other bee species. There's bumblebees, ground bees, bees that nest in tree bark, wow. bees that don't like nests. Like there's just so many different kinds of bees. Bees look like flies, bees look like mm-hmm. fuzzy little flying teddy bears. So there's a lot of different bee species and honeybees are just one of them. And so I learned that in hindsight, while we rely on honeybees for food supply, all the other species will rely on wild and native bees. And those bees mm. don't really get any protection because most of them don't produce honey. 
Right. However, they do pollinate in, in most cases, like two to three times better than honeybees. So they're better yeah. pollinators. They don't really produce honey. So we humans can't really benefit from keeping them. But a lot of these other plants um, and wildlife benefit and therefore so do these other animals. And so I thought that was pretty interesting and in how even though honeybees get a lot of the spotlight, it's wild and native bees who really need help. They're the ones who are dying due to California wildfires or loss yeah. of habitat. So there's a lot of things that are threatening those populations. And so that's interesting. I guess I I wow. see my job as, okay, directing some of the focus just from saving the honeybees to also including saving these like native bee species. And so that's something I learned. I was a little, I didn't know that at the start of my journey where it was, we're saving honeybees and right. I actually expanded my mission to say we are saving honeybees, wild and native bee species after learning that. That's fantastic. Okay, my brain just like started skipping a little bit. I guess I didn't realize that, and it makes so much sense listening to you say it, but like honeybees are the only ones that really do honey. What do the other mm -hmm. ones do? Well, the thing about the other bee species is that they've co-evolved with these plant species. So like a blueberry plant developed a kind of, petal just to attract a bee and then the bee became better accustomed to pollinating that plant because this blueberry plant like put their pollen in a different location wow. so they just co-evolved and now whereas honeybees could pollinate almonds apples squashes and everything yeah. to a certain level it's like these specific bee species that can really effectively pollinate and i don't even know what your original question was what was your question but like okay so honeybees end up making honey Mm -hmm. um, oh, what do the other bees make? Right. Like, isn't well, okay. that part of feeding the larva and all of that? That's a really interesting difference. Honeybees go to flowers because they're looking for nectar because they turn the nectar into honey. But right. the wild and native bees go to different flowers because they're looking for pollen. Like they build their um, nests out of pollen and they feed their young with pollen, not they honey. Do. So they have different food sources. What? And so that's why native bees are better is because they're looking for pollen, whereas honeybees, like, okay, the pollen, like, brushes on them. Should I explain pollination? Yeah. Okay. Tell me everything. Oh, gosh. This is biology class again. I'm so um, excited. Okay. So bees are covered in a lot of tiny fur. Like, they're very fuzzy. Um, and this is something that's among every single bee species they have fur. Some have a lot more fuzz, some have a little bit of fuzz. And so honeybees, when they're going from flower to flower, they're looking for nectar because they'll return back to their hive and turn that nectar into honey. So they'll go visit a flower. Um, usually the nectar is hidden within the flower and uh -huh. they have little pollen balls that brush on them. So the pollen is how plants fertilize other plants and we get fruit out of that or we get seeds and fruit. Yeah. And so when bees go to this flower to search for nectar, some of that pollen brushes off on them. Then they go to another flower and some more pollen brushes on them, but some brushes off. So they're just like sprinkling pollen wherever they go and helping fertilize these plants. And so Magical. it's similar for, yeah, similar for native bees where they're looking for pollen and they just happen to brush off some pollen, pick up some pollen when they're going from flower to flower. I didn't realize they ate it, though. That is, like, blowing my mind right now. <laughs> wow. This is so fantastic. Thank you thank for you. sharing your nerd with me. Oh, it makes I'm, me so happy. I'm so glad to. Ah, thank you for listening.
this is like, what? This is amazing. I, I, I hope you feel how amazing this is because I'm like nerding out right now and I'm really excited to like go research bees. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks, Ms. Joy. Thanks for your time. I really appreciate it. Bye, nerds. So here we are. This is an episode that I want to relive over and over and over again. I absolutely loved hanging out with Michaela, learning about what brings her nerd excitement and quite literally getting my mind blown in the process. What a fun opportunity this has been. Go ahead and check out Me and the Bees, Michaela's famous honey-sweetened lemonade at retailers all around you. And do yourself a favor, learn about things before deciding you're scared of them. That's what curiosity is all about and how we can change the world one decision at a time. Thank you again so much for sharing your story with us, Michaela. If you've got a flavor of nerd that you want me to celebrate, tell me everything. Go ahead and just send me an email at herewearethepodcast at gmail.com and let me celebrate with you. I love doing this and you obviously love listening. So let's do it together. And if you really love this podcast and want to financially support what I'm doing, head on over to patreon.com, search for Here We Are The Podcast and sign up for one of the many, many fantastically written support tiers that I just threw out there in the world and probably need to edit, but you know what? It's fine. So until next time, don't forget that curiosity wins and the world needs more nerds. Bye.